It is Tuesday, November 2nd. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who's willing to change his name to Meta for a price, J.P. Shadrick. I'll do a lot of things for a price. And welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman coming up. We've got a busy show ahead, of course. Busy two hours ahead, in fact. Uh, Jaguars Happy Hour here at 4 o'clock. Jaguars analyst Jeff Logman joins us each Tuesday. We'll recap week eight. We'll put a bow on 31-7 Seahawks over the Jaguars. And then we'll look ahead to week nine. It's the NFL. No games are easy, but this one's really tough. The Bills are coming to town. The top team, one of, well, you could argue they're the top team in the AFC right now. The top scoring offense, the number one overall defense, the most takeaways in the league. The Bills come here. We'll take an early look at that one. And then at 5 o'clock, Jaguars Radio Network coverage begins with the Urban Meyer Show from 5 to 6. Head coach Urban Meyer will join us. We'll get his final thoughts on the loss in Seattle and some of the early work looking ahead to the Buffalo Bills. Jeff Lagerman with us now. Good afternoon to you, Jeff. What's up, man? It's all good, JP. It's all good, except for the film. <laughs> that is not good. It, it's mostly good, uh, except for the film. Uh, it, was a, it was a tough game. Yes, it was. And uh, you kind of got into, uh, I think, you know, the the bye week doldrums coming back, mm-hmm. trying to find your groove of coming back. And then you got a West Coast trip. You put those two together. And I think you can have a recipe for poor performance, and that's exactly what they had. Why is that? I mean, it's a bye week. You should come back refreshed and ready and and eager to go. You got guys coming off the injury list, and and let's go. Let's play some ball, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is the in theory that sounds great, but the reality is is that when you uh, encounter a bye week, sometimes you get healthy and you get better. But it's not like this team was beat up that much before the bye week. But the reality is, is that you get out of your routine. Mm. And so sometimes when you get out of your routine, you're like, okay, you have a little bit of a hard time finding your groove. And then next thing you know, you're traveling to the West Coast on a Friday. And now the routine is even disrupted a little bit more because you're traveling on a Friday. And so it's just different. And uh, I, had a, I had a bad feeling about this game. And it came to fruition. The offense struggled, the defense struggled, and the penalties came back as well. Miscommunication return. That was a real key back in the week one loss, of course, to Houston. Urban Meyer addressed it all on Monday. We also had a turnover, and the turnover is negated by a penalty. Just lack of discipline, sloppy play. You had the 12-man issue where uh, one penalty and one timeout. You know, I needed that. We needed that timeout. So we have to get that corrected. I was really upset about that. That should never happen. Uh, so we addressed that today. Um, and then offense, you had uh, the delay of games, which is very uncharacteristic of Trevor. And, and so we just got to give them more opportunities to practice and, and, uh, and get the plays in faster. I mean, it's accumulative. It's not just Trevor. It's the, you know, and then also the substitution of receivers would cause to that as well. So, so you just, yeah, I'm very upset about that. That's, that's not uh, winning football doesn't have 12 penalties. 12 penalties, 93 yards, and uh, as you heard him discuss there, and I'm, I'm sure we'll we'll ask him about this in the Urban Meyer show coming up a little later and see if they've delved into it a little further. The 12 men on the field followed up by nearly another 12 men on the field before the snap. They had to call a timeout to avoid a second one in a row. Yeah, that's, there's, no, there's no excuse oh, for that. Oh, man. 
Yeah, and, and, and here's the reality. He talked about, Urban talked about the turnover that was negated by a penalty. I don't think Geno Smith throws that ball unless he realizes that it's a penalty. So in reality, it's not like he really got a takeaway. So Geno's being aggressive hey, throwing throw the, the ball zone. toward the end he's zone because he Rogers. knows yeah. that he's got Caleb on on offside. Aaron Rodgers play. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, that's not, that's not really a fair assessment of that. But I think the disappointing thing is that you had two roughing the passer calls where you finished the quarterback into the into the turf. They were the right call. Totally correct calls. Yeah, according to the rules. Okay, yes. Devon Hamilton and, and Jihad Ward, totally guilty. Mm-hmm. You got a taunting penalty by Rayshon Jenkins. That's his second one, I think, of the year. It is. So, uh, 12 men on the field back-to-back, no excuse for that. I, I think the disappointing thing is that throughout the game, you had kind of something bad happen, whether it be every offensive series or every defensive series. And you had a couple series where something bad didn't happen. But I make notes during the game, and you've got the roughing call on Devon Hamilton. You had a uh, two drives later, the interception by Diggs. They're t- very talented safety, by the way. He's a really good football player. Because he had a miscommunication by Tavon Austin and, and Trevor Lawrence. Then uh, you have a taunting by Rayshon Jenkins. You're out on downs. You've got 12 men on the field twice, which also has Caleb on on offsides on that same drive. I mean, there's just so many different things that, that you go, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. I mean, it's just. It's a lot of noise. It's a bad day yeah. at the office. Yeah. There's no two ways about it. And it's one that you certainly say bad performance by the players and then you also have to say that's not a very good performance by the coaching staff either and and I'll say this mm-hmm. the the thing that I did not like at the end of the game you score a touchdown you kick the extra point and then you go for two and I know that coach talked about side, it in right. his press conference yeah, yeah. and said that uh, look it was an opportunity at getting reps so let, let me just say this about that when you score a touchdown, you go for two, so then it be, still can be, and if you get that, then you can still keep it a two-possession game. It's a 16-point game, right? That's correct. So then you can go for the onside kick. You don't kick the extra point, still have a three-possession game, and then choose to do the onside kick because you want to practice it. Because here's the reality. That's the most dangerous play in football is the onside kick. You don't practice the most dangerous play in football. Because you want to try it out, or you want to try to steal another possession on offense. If you go, if you're going to do that, you have to go for two before that. If you make it going for two, okay, it's two then you game, go for the onside kick. Onside, and if you get it, okay. If you don't, if you don't out. convert the two point conversion, then you do not attempt an onside kick just to steal a possession. Mm. It becomes absolutely for no reason at that point. Got, I mean, and guys are putting their bodies out there, and and well, it's probably a why JP. Win, I, I, you know, it's probably why you had the return for the touchdown on the onside kick, right? D- did you get the impression that guys were throwing their bodies around no. on this onside kick? <laughs> no. At that Not point, at because the score is what it is, I mean, there's going to be guys making a business decision. They're not going to put their head in there and go dive after the football, right? No, I mean. No, Both, that's, either that's, side, really. That's why the running back, and uh, it was Travis Homer yep. who ended up taking it all the way back for a touchdown. Hmm. And 
So anyway, I just wanted to give you my thoughts on that because right, so, I wanted to volunteer it. So how do you, for lack of a better term, circle the wagons again, you know, get the coaching staff and players back on the same page and eliminate a lot of these communication things? You said it's, yeah, players when they're on the field, as Tony Baselli said last night, Hey, if you're the 12th guy, you got to look around. Hey, you're in my spot and talk to each other and get off the field. Somebody's got to leave. Or, and at what point does that become, hey, the coaches can only go so far on the field, but you still have to coach them, coach that out of them. Like, there's a balance there. I thought it was, it was kind of comical when you watch the film back, okay, and they've got 12 guys on the field and you had an extra defensive lineman, okay? Okay. So. And I think it was Jihad Ward. He's, he's literally – he went from the left side of the defensive line to the right side, and he's like, where am I going to play? I mean, they're, all, they're all taken. So it was kind of funny. It wasn't funny, but it was funny because <laughs> you're, you're watching. And he's trying to figure out where he can play. Uh, wow. wait, wait a minute, I'm one of the defensive linemen out here. Uh, where, where, where can I line up? And he, there was nowhere for him to line up. So eventually he just puts his hand down, and it becomes a, a five-down lineman situation, and you're just going – and then you have the timeout, and then you, you – it's happening again. I mean, that, that was like, you got to be kidding me moment. Uh, what's the old airline, airline commercial, you want to get away? <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. You, you know? It's one of those. Or Calgon, take me away. It's one of those. It's, those that, it's, that is definitely one of those moments. Hey, by the way, the uh, trade deadline was 4 o'clock. And no word of anything from the Jaguars. So uh, quiet at the deadline for the Jags. Today. So a couple of the big trades. Ingram left Pittsburgh to go to Chiefs, Chiefs. Kansas City. That's right. And then Von Miller goes uh, to the Rams. That's the big one, yes. Wow. That's a big one. For a second and a, a third. Second and a, that's all they have left, by the way. All the other ones the are Rams gone. The Rams don't believe in draft picks. The Rams are going all in right now. And after a couple, three, four years, if they don't win it, it won't matter anyway for the, I can the guy pulling the trigger I can tell over you less. This. Well, that's Les Snead. That's right. And Les Snead is, uh, in fact, Les Snead was. He was here. He was here back in 95. And Les Snead was essentially an Aaron guy, which he would do different things in scouting, you know. And uh, and he's a nice guy, and uh, but he got a start here, was willing to do anything, and now he's the general manager of the Rams, and and he has uh, him and the coach have done a very good job, and I will say when I say very good job, I think that's subject to interpretation, but you can't argue with the results. But some people would say you're not doing it in building the team to to make it lasting. No, they're trying to win. Like They're trying now. to win now. I mean, they, they, they thought they were about a quarterback away, so they went and got the quarterback in the trade, uh, Stafford, and now getting the pass rusher in. I mean, he's, you put Aaron he's, Donald? His, his contract's up at the end of the year, Von if, Miller. If Von Miller, if he, if he gets back to being Von Miller, which he can still do that, mm-hmm. and you put him out on the field with Aaron Donald together, mm-hmm. holy cow. Yeah, and then the back end of that defense, too, with Jalen running around oh. and doing all that. Yeah, I mean, it's oh. tough. Hey, guess what? The Jags get to play them in about five weeks' time in L.A. Oh. So we got that going for us. <laughs> SoFi will, Stadium and Von I will Miller tell you this. <laughs> I, have, I have never, I've never seen a more dominant defensive player in the National Football League in a long time now. 
I mean, Von, I'm talking when Vaughn's on. I'm talking no, 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 no. I'm talking about Aaron Donald. Oh, Donald, yes, yes. He can take over the whole. I'm saying def- you, you got to go yeah. as a defensive lineman now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to go back to the Bruce Smith, the Reggie White, the, and he's better than John Randall. You know, I mean, John Randall's great now. Yeah, I mean, those guys are, are edge guys, though. Donald's inside. No, no, and... no, no, no. Don Randall was an inside okay. guy. He All was right. a little old three technique, kind of like Aaron Donald is, yeah. because when Aaron Donald was coming out, I was looking at his his measurables going, you know, I don't know about this guy being able to do it. Oof. And uh, yeah, he's doing it's it. like the best in the league, and he's one of the best ever. I mean, this guy, is a, he's a walking gold jacket shoe-in, Aaron, Aaron Donald is. There's no doubt about that. So for the Jaguars to have to figure out how to block – Aaron Donald, that's going to be a huge challenge for them in that game, no doubt. And then you throw Vaughn on the outside, and yeah, here we go. Um, By the way, that game is uh, coming up at SoFi Stadium December 5th. Okay, first week of December. About the, you know, December 1st or so, we'll have plenty of time on this program to go over those matchups because um, there are a lot to dissect in that. Anyway, Anyway, that's down the line a little bit. Um, If, you know, this didn't seem just going into the last week or so like a, a team that would really be too active unless there was somebody out there that you could get for not just this year but two or three years down the line to that's stay the around. That's, that's, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Those mean, guys it, don't come around look, and aren't available too often. Trent Balky and Urban Meyer are, are trying, you know, you, and you always try to do this, you try to build something that's sustainable. And – what sustainable means is that whoever you acquire, that they're going to be available not just for 2021, they're going to be available for next year, 2022, and then also 2023. And so I think that's part of factoring in whether you want to get a guy in the trade before the trade deadline. Yeah. Typically, the it's a seller's market when you're talking about the trade deadline. If you had Von Miller... Would you, and he's on a one-year deal. I mean, don't you think the Denver Broncos did pretty good getting a second and a third? Yeah, because who knows if we're gonna, really going to re-sign him at the end of the year. He's I mean, a free agent. I, yeah, that's a really, I mean, so it, it's a perfect example yeah. of it being a seller's market. Sure. And from the Rams' perspective, they're in the hunt. They need to win. We can afford this That's rental. typically who, I don't want to say that they view it as, that. that's typically, if you're in that position, then you view that you maybe make a trade like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're not, you've got to get a guy that's going to give you some type of commitment beyond this year. You know, that's going to, like I said, help you in the next couple years, not just this that's year. Right. So, and that's, that's hard to find sometimes. And then if you do find a guy that a team is willing to trade for, there is typically there's something there that hasn't made that player as loved, you know what I mean, as far as there's something wrong. There's some kind of, I don't know what you would call it, some type of glaring wart or whatever you want to call it <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. the player has. If I mean, because, look, that's – and not all players have that. They're not all covered up in or warts. maybe it's just not a full organizational fit. You know, sometimes it's just – Okay, let's move on from said player and and start over. Ah, hey, yeah, so, exa- give it, give an example. Yeah. Okay, C.J. Henderson was traded. Correct. Okay. Perfect example. He has he has a blemish. Mm-hmm. 
okay, the reports were that the coach and and one of the defensive coaches went to his house to talk to him. They confirmed those reports, by which, the way. But yeah. yeah, which they were talking to him supposedly about because he didn't want to play ball anymore. And has he played that well for Carolina since the He's trade? He's been inactive a lot. Uh, we got Dan Arnold out of that trade. That's right. Producing every week. So I, I think my point about that is is that if, if there's a guy that's willing to be traded, two things. Because Von Miller doesn't have any blemishes on him. He's a great player. But the only drawback to him from the Denver Broncos perspective is how many more years can he play at the level that he's at? Can, can you make it work from a cap perspective? And what is the team that wants him willing to give us? They value a second and a third round pick more then they value a player who only has this year left on his deal. Especially the way, if wherever they are in the standings right now. I mean, Denver is, you know, last play. They're 4-4, four and four, and they're chasing Vegas and the Chargers. I mean, it's a tight division, but no guarantees. Right. Let's come back. Um, deep defense for the Jaguars. We'll get into what happened this past week. Geno Smith, your guy, was hot, red hot, white hot to start the game. Yeah, well, how, he must have listened to the pregame show. That's why he might have. And if you were did, all over him, I just said he's not a very good quarterback. Well, he heard that. He took it personally. Still not. We'll get into that coming up. PRI Productions, the official event production company, of the Jags has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIProductions.com. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network. In this league, that should never happen. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's no excuse for that. There's no response. We have to have better communication coming on off the field. And obviously, it's, it's a hectic environment. You know, there's D linemen that are locked in trying to get the play, and then there's guys running on. So it's got to be a communication thing where if you are running on the field, you have to call out. You got to go one for one. You can't just run on the field and just say, hey, it's my turn to play. So it's a lot of things. You know what I mean? It's, t- it's the timing of the substitutions. Um, it's, it's players not communicating when they come in. So it's, it's a total thing, and it's such an easy thing to fix. You know what I mean? It's not like it's something hard. Like when you, when you, you know, raise your hand when you're running in, and you know who you're supposed to grab. We're going from um, base per- jag personnel to nickel personnel. Whoever the nickel is, he's got to go run and grab the Sam. Like everybody knows what they're supposed to do. We're just not doing it. So it's on us. That's Miles Jack after the game in Seattle this past Sunday, and Jaguars Happy Hour continues. Hard Rock Sportsbook must be 21 and physically present in Florida to wager. Concerned about gambling? Please call 1-800-522-4700. Presenting sponsor of the Jaguars Digital Network. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Joe Fortunato, Brent Reaver. Glad you're along with us today on Jaguars Happy Hour. That's Miles, of course, talking about the 12 men on the field penalty in the near next one. We've gone through that. Um, you know, coverage issues were there again. There was all this talk about, oh, we're going to play more zone now. And, you know, they still it felt like they were the Lockett and Metcalf were just running open a lot of times. Well, Lockett got separation, particularly when he was being covered in man with Tyson Campbell. I mean, look, Lockett's a great player. I mean, he's uh, one of the top five guys in the National Football League at yards per catch. He's got great speed, elite speed. So does Tyson Campbell, but he ran away from Tyson and got separation. So, 
And then when the Jaguars played zone, he's pretty crafty about finding the opening. And that's he's a great player. And what has happened prior to this game against the Jaguars, Tyler Lockett hadn't gotten really much of a connection with Geno Smith. No. In fact, the numbers, with it, which is <laughs> kind of ridiculous, in the last five games – Tyler Lockett had only had 159 yards receiving and no touchdowns. In the first couple games of the season, he had 278 yards and three touchdowns. And so there was no connection with with Geno. But, uh, you know, it's just – it's hard for a defense. And I think the Jaguars coaching staff and personnel probably over-evaluated or – should I say, I don't know another way to put this, they overvalued what they had in the back end? At the start of the year, you're saying? At the start yeah, of the year. The, as the, when the roster was set, okay, we are set with these guys, and here's why, right. And obviously that changed a little bit with, with CJ. Yeah. Right. And then you have a rookie who's clearly struggling and Tyson Campbell. But it's hard to go from, okay, all of off season, all of training camp, we're, we're prepared to play man. We're going to play man. Right. And you're practicing, man, and you're practicing, you know, the the blitzes and the pressures and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden now you've said, well, you know, we got to be more zone. It's probably a little bit easier to go from zone to man because it's easier to practice or better to practice something that you got to – even with zone. It's you, less. You're just you kinda, have to relate to yeah. what the routes are in a zone. There you go. And, yeah. man, it's man. You're just chasing the guy around. Right. So, and if that man is better than your man, then that man's going to win the man on. So, I mean, in hindsight, which hindsight's always twenty twenty. I mean, I'm not trying to to criticize the coaching staff or the personnel staff here, but maybe with hindsight, and hindsight for everybody, you would have said, you know what, let's let's maybe just try to be balanced, and that way we're practicing both, and then we'll see where we go. If 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 we feel like we're playing pretty well, and we feel like we can play more man, then we'll mm-hmm. we'll play a little bit more man. If we feel like we're not quite good enough talent-wise, and we'll play a little bit more zone, and that's okay. But it didn't happen like that. They came out practicing a lot of man. But, that look, it's uh, Rome wasn't built overnight now. You know, and the, the disappointing thing is, though, is that, you know, they're talking about rebuild. That term's been used now this week. And in the offseason, you signed a safety, you signed a corner in free agency, and then you drafted a safety, mm-hmm. and you drafted a corner. Mm-hmm. So, I mean – the rebuild is – I mean, you're right in the middle of it, but, I mean, you would you were hoping for better results now. Those should be kind gotten. of cornerstones of the rebuild at, at some point. Well, you hope. You're putting you that know, kind of equity into it. You them. hope, and, and, and they got a ways to go. You know, they got a ways to go. I mean, Tyson's got a lot of growth to make. to make, And I, and I think he'll make it. I think he's – first of all, he works hard. He's got, the, he's got the physical tool bag. He's just got to learn to play the ball better. Mm-hmm. Can he do that at the level – where you want him to be? I mean, that's 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 an interesting question because when like when you watch Josh Allen, when Josh Allen plays the game, he's very aware of the ball and he finishes uh, really well. Is this something that you either have or you don't? Mm. And I've said this before: the finish in the ball awareness sometimes is something that confidence will help build that, experience will help build that, but then in some cases. You either have it or you don't. Yeah. Uh, Bucky Brooks on uh, our Wednesday show on Jaguars.com a couple times has said, you know, sometimes if somebody has like a 
a baseball or basketball background, when you have to play the ball all the time, if you play outfield, right? Mm-hmm. Depth, ball's coming at you, you got to figure out. I never could figure that out, right, as a kid. But, like, you know, you have to figure out how, where the ball's coming and play the ball. Right. Basketball, you're getting rebounds, same idea. So a lot of times scouts will think about that background when they're going after a corner-type player to evaluate his ability to go get the ball. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's much of a background of that with Tyson, whatever, but uh, whether you played it or not, some guys have it and never played those sports. So either uh, it may or may not be coachable. You know, the, two, the two toughest positions, I think, in the NFL for a rookie, quarterback, clearly. I mean, it's just, I mean look, you're, you're going to take some lumps. I mean, even when you're the first overall pick in the draft. I mean, yeah. go back and you look at all the – the Aikman, Peyton Mannings, the John Elways. I mean, you name it. Every guy that was picked first overall has had struggles for the most part. I don't know. if Is there a first overall pick quarterback that hasn't struggled? I mean, everybody's got some. Andrew mm-hmm. Luck? I mean, I'm he trying to think in. of how he was his rookie year. But, I mean, and then the other position is corner. Yeah. Because you're out on an island. Yeah, and they got veteran guys running routes against you and picking on you, and the, the veteran quarterbacks are picking on you and everything. In college football, if you were Tyson Campbell or, or, or a corner at any major college football program, mm-hmm. how many guys did you go against that were going to play in the NFL? And I'm not talking about somebody that plays for Alabama, because in practice you were going to face every day you're doing guys that, right? that were going to play in the NFL well, every day. part of the deal, but – uh, it it kind of depends on the on the schedule, right? Right, but I mean, you know, let's say you're in a, SEC, right? Georgia, yeah, has some some offenses and some players. You know, and every once in a while, I'll have a guy. Um, Florida will have a guy every once in a while. But right? the, but the hard part when you make the transition to the National Football League at corner is that okay, the the level of talent that you're facing is what you have never seen yet, and it's every week, and it's every week. Yeah. But then you also have to add in the complex complexities of understanding your game plan. So now you're trying to learn what you're supposed to do against a great player. That's not easy to do. You know, so what we're seeing is exactly that with Tyson Campbell. We're seeing a young player struggle. And he's just got to continue to work and bring the lunch pail and continue to work to get better. And I think he will because I think he's built that way. Our final thought on the Jaguars' defense versus the Seahawks' offense. Geno Smith started the game with 14 consecutive completions, the longest streak to start a game by any quarterback in the National Football League this season. And he finished with a career-high completion percentage, 83%, 20 of 24 passing for only 195 yards. He did throw a couple touchdowns. It was all efficient. That was his halftime numbers? That was his game. That was the end of game numbers. Well, I mean, you might as well have said that that was his half. I mean, what was Yeah, his, they didn't do much in the Tell second me what half. he did. Do you have the half oh, numbers yeah, by the chance? Half numbers. Stand by. Stand and the reason by. That, that I asked that because Seattle totally took their foot off the gas pedal at halftime. He was 14 of 15 at half. I, I, 137. I you're right. He t- they they took right. their foot off the gas pedal. Well, I, I mean, they're up three scores. And, you know, and they had the ball coming two, back. Two possessions. Into the second half, they'd scored again, and what did it go? Twenty-four nothing, twenty-four to nothing. And at that point, Seattle said, "Okay, we're just going to hand the ball off." And I think they had <laughs> three straight run plays of the next drive, the next to, drive. Penny, to Penny. Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. I know that you know the defense made some comments that you know they felt good about their second half level of play, but I mean, I mean was it, it wasn't was, the same? Was Seattle 
I don't think they were concerned at that point. I don't think so either. It didn't feel like because their defense was dominating the Jaguars' offense. I mean, that was that was a struggle for the Jaguars' offense, and and we talked about it before the game. We talked about it during the game, and that Seattle's defense. If you look at their rankings, you're looking at the wrong thing. And the reason I we say that is because in the first five weeks of the season, Seattle was terrible. They had, no team in the league had given up more yards than the Seattle Seahawks defense. I want to say it was the tune, and I wrote it down, 400, over 450 yards a game. Mm. But in the last couple games prior to facing the Jaguars, they were only allowing 18 points a game. Mm. The last four games going into the Jaguars game, they were the number one defense in the National Football League at third down percentage allowed. Their takeaways were – getting better. They have two, I'm talking, great players. Bobby Wagner in that game yeah, right. was incredible. Yeah. Okay. Jamal Adams. Yeah, was a good player. Was incredible. Good player, yeah. And the Jaguars got dominated by that defense. That was the story of the game. When Trevor Lawrence looks like he's lost and throwing bad balls and then he's having used timeouts because – that's just something that we haven't seen out of that offense. Well, let's come back and delve into that a little bit more. James Robinson banged up in the game. Might have changed some of the idea um, that they had on offense. And as you said, Trevor Lawrence threw the ball 54 times. That's not ideal. Not ideal for any quarterback, much less a, ro- a rookie. <laughs> Check out the official Jaguars podcast network. It's a free subscription on Apple iTunes or Spotify or wherever you download pods. Give us that five-star rating as always. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network. I think it just goes to show um, if you don't come out and ready to play and you don't play well, this can happen to anybody any week. You know, it doesn't matter who you're playing. You just got to gotta play well, and, and we did it. So I think that's the... It's not, you know, it's not concerning. Obviously, for for me, it's not. Um, I just because I'm in that locker room, I'm, you know, with all those guys and see how hard we work and how we prepare. And um, I know, apart from the outside looking in, it might be, but it's it's not concerning. It's just we played like crap today, and that's gonna happen every now and then. And um, but can't let this happen again for sure. That's pretty straightforward from Trevor Lawrence, Jaguars quarterback, after the loss in Seattle this past Sunday. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. Coming up at 5 o'clock, the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach, get his final thoughts on the loss in Seattle, and then look ahead to the Buffalo Bills coming up. Jaguars game day broadcasts are presented by Vistar Credit Union. And the Jaguars will face the Bills this week. We'll, as we said, we'll get to that a little bit later. The top team, you could argue they are the top team in the AFC coming in uh, next week. We touched on the offense at the end of that last uh, little bit there. You know, Trevor Lawrence was forced to throw 54 times in the game. James Lawrence banged up. Uh, James Lawrence. James Robinson. <laughs> excuse me. I said Trevor and James and Robinson and Lawrence. Uh, James Robinson with a, a bruised let heel. Let that one simmer for yeah. a minute. James Lawrence. JP actually made a mistake. I did. I did. And I own it. Hashtag own it. Um, a bruised heel. Day to day for James Robinson. When he left the game, you know, hey, that, that kind of changed the whole feel of what they were trying to do. Totally changed it. I mean, literally. And, and you could see that 
uh, the Seattle defense, I think, respected the running game a little bit less. I mean, that's how good James Robinson is. And and I know that Urban has a, you know, a history with Carlos Hyde, and, and they feel pretty confident with him, but the reality is he is not James Robinson. Not. I mean, the NFL is about talent. And if you don't have your best talent out there, it's hard to be at your best. And when James went out, I thought it was a sig- significant loss. He is, he is their best player on offense, and that's not even debatable. At some point, Trevor Lawrence may be the best player, but right now he's not. And for a young quarterback, you've got to have a great offensive rushing attack, and James Robinson gives them their best chance at that. So to not have him, I mean, that was crushing. And and I and I think the one thing that kind of ticked me off a little bit. Mm. First of all, it was a very legal push by Bobby Wagner on the sideline. Inbounds. Inbounds, and it wasn't over the top or anything of that nature. But where was I mean the Seahawks bench man to catch the guy? Mm. Don't just like open up part the seat <laughs> so he can go flying into the bench or something. <laughs> I mean, somebody just catch the guy. Profession, have a little professional courtesy. Well, hey, that's what it is. And I and say that because he's a Jaguar. But now, if somebody, if Miles Jack pushes a Seahawk on the Jaguars bench, I'm saying, get out of the way. Stay, let him go. Of course you are. <laughs> right. Those teal go, colored glasses you got on. So, uh, you know, all right. So the longest play on offense was 17 yards. And it was the pass of the flat to James Robinson and yes. run after Which goes catch. to show you how good he is. The next longest play was 14 yards. That was a run. Mm-hmm. So nothing down the field at all. Who had to run? James Robinson. Oh. Ja- not James Lawrence. Oh. James Robinson. <laughs> uh, after that, I mean, they just had no nobody open down the field. Now, when they did, they either dropped the ball or it was out of bounds or whatever the case may there, be. There really is, is – I mean, they're missing. They're missing the vertical aspect oh, of yeah. the passing I mean, So, and we know that we've talked about that for weeks. Yeah, but here, but here, it's going to be what it is. They didn't trade for any new guys. Well, so. look at that doesn't factor into the equation. You have to still, you still have to have a vertical element to your game. And the reason why is that because if you have the vertical element, it makes the area bigger that the defense has to cover. Oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. See what I'm saying? I, I see. I'm using my Doug Marone I see. Quote. See I what see. I'm saying? I see. Yes, I do. You know what I'm saying? What are we doing? <laughs> it's another Dougism. <laughs> but it, what it does is it, it makes the defense honor the back part of the field, and it opens up the windows everywhere from there closer back to the line of scrimmage. And right now they really don't have a vertical element to their passing game. And – and, you know, look, it's not just because D.J. Chark is on injured reserve because he wasn't just the answer there. But they have kept guys on this roster because they supposedly had great speed. Okay? And where is that speed at? I mean, look, Tyron Johnson, active in the game, supposedly has great speed. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen anything vertical with him. You've got – James uh, Jamal Agnew, who has he's a separate, he gets great separation. He's got speed. I mean, I, I you want to see something to where the receivers are running go routes, which the go routes are just straight down the field. They go, 
And the reason that go routes have to be a part of the game, it, it stretches the defense out, number one, and it makes defenses honor that. And then when you throw the ball on go routes, a couple things can happen. Hey, you might get a completion. You might. That'd be good. Sure. A second thing is that you maybe get an interference call. Oh, that'd be also nice. Just as um, good. Right. And then the other thing could happen is that you could be an incompletion and no okay. penalty, and that's okay. Okay. and that's, Line up again, play, that's play again. Or it could be intercepted. That'd be bad. That could be bad. But, I mean, I think that that's, that's – But that's three good things and one bad thing. That's part of why – I mean, I mean, Al Davis, God rest his soul, Al Davis always believed in the vertical element uh, yeah. of the game. I mean, that was – and he, I mean, he, he gave the marching orders to his personnel guys, his coaching staff. The ball must be thrown deep. <laughs> and that's – and he was right. I mean, he was totally right. And that's in the 70s. Even Bill Walsh, yeah. who had this controlled passing attack, had the vertical element to it. John Taylor. Okay, it wasn't just Jerry Rice on slants mm-hmm. and little crossing routes. John Taylor was a guy that could go. So even Bill Walsh had a vertical element to his passing game. And in this offense, in the last couple games, we haven't seen – a lot of that vertical element. That's in fact that's a note that I've made after like the last three games. I was where, say, I've heard this before. Where's the vertical element to the so, passing attack? I mean, do you? Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, do you work it in? I mean, work it more in the game plan. Maybe it's in the game plan and it's covered, and they just can't make the throw downfield. You know? I mean, okay. Well, at some point, you can't force it into three defenders, right? Well, I haven't watched the tape, but like, I mean. Are they? Is it there? Are they trying? To? They're they're not they're not trying as much. Okay. I think as as you probably would like, and especially when you and here's the thing that's going to be more difficult going forward. Most of your deep routes, or vertical aspect of the passing game, and not always, but the the percentages are more from play action. So now all of a sudden, if you're missing your best running back. Oof. Yeah, that threat. And the is. most respected part of mm-hmm. your running game. Nobody's going to run downhill and chase the fake. Now, what happens? Yeah. What happens to mm-hmm. that play action where you're trying to take a shot down the field? Well, uh, ten more games to figure something out on that side. We'll uh, come back in a moment and talk about the AFC South. Uh, is it uh, is it out of control now? Do the Titans have it, or does the injury to Derrick Henry change matters? Great question. We'll find out. Great question. But we'll talk about it when we come back. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. It's loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between. And this truck makes tough look easy. No wonder it's the official truck of the NFL and proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars. The Baptist Health Injury Report as well when we come back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network. bye week and it, it we got better but you know that's demoralizing you go on the road and the offense moves the ball we punt you know that would have been good to down it inside the five we've been really good at that and make them go to the field it goes in the end zone and they take it down the field and score and then uh score again so 
Uh, Gino had a, he's a streaky player, and he was streaky at first. I mean, there was times we even had a guy doubled and he snuck one in there. Um, but those are two good receivers, and we got to play better. And, and uh, But we played, you know, the tail of two halves on defense. That's head coach Urban Meyer earlier this week, and welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. We'll hear from head coach Urban Meyer on the Urban Meyer Show. Oddly enough, that's at 5 o'clock on the Jaguars radio network every Tuesday. Hello, Logs. Well, the special teams that he talks about was a very good. Uh, the first drive play he's referring to, you got a really nice punt by Logan Cook and an opportunity with Rudy Ford to catch the ball at the five. Oh, yeah, yeah. So here's a great chance to back up Seattle, play some field position, because if you can get great field position like that, then it kind of it can tip the scales for field position throughout the game, yeah. or at least throughout the, the near future. And he doesn't catch it. It bounces, hits the ground, and rolls into the end zone. So now you lose, you lose 15 yards in field position there. You had an uh, illegal formation on a punch. Pell Russell lined up too deep. He's a tackle. He's got to be on the line of scrimmage. That's a mental error. I mean, when you can't get lined up properly, then that's a mental error. You can't have that. I mean, that's. I mean, that one there. I think you got to say, hey, that falls on coaching. And then you had a, a penalty on the kick return, which backed the Jaguars up to the eight. That was, I think, right prior to that penalty on Chappelle Russell. And then at the end, you know, you have the onside kick, which is questionable even to do that. We've talked about that. But then you allow that to be returned for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was not a good day for special teams, and it was not a good day for the offense in particular. Veterans, choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov. And let's take a look now at the Baptist Health Injury Report. Baptist Health, changing health care for good. Uh, Urban Meyer on Monday talked about James Robinson's a heel injury said it's day to day. We'll see. The Jags did claim Divina Zigbo off waivers. They've had him here before. We'll see moving ahead what Robinson's feeling is. But uh, it's a long schedule ahead. You know, do you want to throw him out there right away? Do you want to give him another week and just make sure? I think oh, Zigbo. A, no, no, no. Uh, James Robinson with the injury. I mean, well, you, look, I mean, look, that's all going to be a medical decision. Sure. You know, so. But even if it's a question at all, you sit him down, right? If it's, oh, I can go, I'm 75%, do you let him go? Yeah, so 75% is not good enough. I don't think so. No, yeah. no, 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 that's uh, – And he'll say he's good. it's just his personality, I'm you know, guessing. And, and here's the thing. I mean, I, look, they say he'll bruise, but uh, here's the reality. You don't have to reveal exactly what it is. I mean, it, it can be a plantar fasciitis and you say he'll bruise because, I mean, in reality that could – you got heel pain and you got inflammation there, so you could say, well, that's a heel bruise. I mean, you just don't know – exactly what it is but I will tell you this you've got a running back and he's got a foot problem that's where it all begins for that's not good backs. that's right I mean that's like the worst injury that you can have if you're a running back or if you're a, a skill position player is a foot injury hmm. I mean last time I checked you gotta run that's and part that's what the type the, the name of the position is a, running you back. need a foot to run you need actually you probably need a couple of them I just hope he's okay because James is such a such a good player, you know. And he's he like I said, he's the best player. I said this before, he's the best player that they have on offense. Not even close. 
Urban also earlier said this week that you know lenders getting closer. Uh, you know it, the MCL is healed. How many now. weeks has that been now? Oh, with Linder, gosh. what was that game injury Three wise? Weeks, four weeks. It was against Cincinnati, right? Yeah, they said the MCL is better now, but it's the the high ankle stuff. So that was, issue. I mean, if one, Titans two, Titans. three. Titans game, yeah. Three, three weeks ago, yeah. And he had what was reported to be a knee and then high ankle. That's right. Okay, high ankles are four to six. That's right. That's that's the what's remaining according to Urban on Monday. Yeah. So, so that's right. gonna be he's gonna be a while. Let's take a look at the AFC South and start with the results from this past weekend. And of course, we know what happened in Seattle: the Seahawks over the Jaguars, thirty-one-seven, overtime game. In Indy, the Tennessee Titans get an interception off Carson Wentz in overtime and set up the game-winning field goal, 34-31 the final. And then Derrick Henry with a foot injury surgery out indefinitely. And the Rams, of course, were up 38-0 on the Texans. The Texans scored 22 fourth-quarter points to uh, make the score closer, but it was all Rams all day against the Texans. So we look now at the AFC South standings after Week 8. And it's Tennessee in command of the AFC South at the top of the division now, of course. After that win over the Colts, they have a sizable lead over Indy in second place in the division. The Titans at 6-2, and two, Indy at 3-5, and five, the Jags at 1-6, and six, and Houston at 1-7. and seven. So 6-2, and 3-5, that's first to second place. And we look at the upcoming schedules in weeks 9 through 13 for the AFC South. We know the Jags schedule ahead, Buffalo, Indy, San Fran. The Texans are at Miami by week at Tennessee. They're toast anyway. Indy, the Jets, the Jaguars both at home. They're at Buffalo. That's a tough one. And then Tennessee at the Rams. What a game that'll be. And then New Orleans and Houston both in Nashville. Those are the next three weeks. Now the question, with without Derrick Henry... Adrian Peterson, I guess, has been signed to the practice squad officially in Tennessee. Uh, you know, can Tennessee maintain this lead? Is this a, a lead too big to overcome for Indianapolis in the division, considering Derrick Henry might be done for a long time? Did you see the interception that Carson Wentz threw? I saw that. Not good, Coach. <laughs> hey, that's that's something that you would expect to see out of a rookie quarterback. It was terrible. Yes, it was. So, I mean, I look, I, I'd like to say that, hey, look, Tennessee with Derrick Henry, they're in trouble. But who's going to catch them? But are they? Yeah, I mean, they're in trouble, I think, after the season's over and the postseason without well, Derrick Henry. Here, here's you know? the reality. Derrick Henry is their offense. He is their entire offense. Are they capable of surviving without him? I think Tannehill's a good quarterback. Not a great quarterback, but he's a good quarterback. He's got some really good weapons when they're healthy. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, tight ends are pretty solid. He's got a running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield. So can they survive? Yeah, I think they can survive. But they need to find somebody because that's their identity. Their identity is running the football. they got to find somebody that can replace some of the production of Derrick Henry can Adrian Peterson be that guy? I don't know. I mean, Adrian Peterson, is the last time I saw, he was still a good back. Mm. But he's not Derrick Henry. I mean, he's like Derrick 55 Henry is, years old. He's as old as you are. Lux. Derrick Henry has bailed out that team on more occasions than you can shake a stick at. I mean, he's that good. So, 
But, yeah, can the Colts catch them? No. I mean, uh, look, I know that Frank Wright and Carson Wentz have a great relationship. <laughs> but that relationship didn't help Carson Wentz on that interception. Are you, I mean, seriously. Yeah. That was the worst. Inter- I mean, right, it's, it's Trevor one, almost had one of them in Seattle now. I know, I know. I know. It's one play in one game, though. Bad decision. Bad decision by Carson Wentz. And, and Trevor's going to learn that you don't do that. I mean, he threw it up, you know, and you can't, you, you just can't do that. And uh, the Rams, 38 to zip on the Texans. Yeah, right. Oh, well, the Texans, you know, you know what they're saying right now? Well, you know, we're really happy about our production. No, no, no. They stunk. In the fourth quarter. They were not good. You know, we got better in the fourth quarter. We scored 22 points in yeah, the fourth quarter. I'm sure that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. I know. It's not, it, it's. And what, yeah. do you, what, do you, and what do you say to that? <laughs> I, Garbage I time. Yeah, I was going to say it. Garbage yeah, time. I, I could say a lot of things to that. But, um, the, the, yeah, they're out of it. Uh, the Rams, though, of course, after that win, go out and trade for Von Miller. And they're going all in in a very competitive NFC West division. They feel like, hey, they got the quarterback now. Let's go get Von Miller, rent him for a couple of months and see what happens. And they're all in in L.A. It's going to be interesting to watch. It will be interesting to watch. And you know what's also going to be – Interesting to listen to coming up is the Urban Meyer Show. In just about a minute or so, we'll hear from the Jaguars head coach, get his final thoughts on what happened in Seattle, and then look ahead to the Buffalo Bills. I'll guarantee you that he is not going to be a happy coach. You know, I don't know how he could be coming out of that game. Well, you can't be. I mean, you have a terrible performance. You know, you got outplayed. He got out coached. Uh, it was not a it was not a good day, and so not not a good day to have a coaching show when you have a game like that prior to. Well, we'll hear from Urban coming up in just a moment on the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. That'll do it for Jaguars Happy Hour. Thanks to Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber, Jeff Logan, and I'm JP Shadrick, and this is the Jaguars Hard Rock Sportsbook Digital Network.